0: Today is November the 22nd. Today we see that the greatest of these is love. Today, as we read through the Bible in a year, I'd like you to read 1 Corinthians from chapter 13 to the end of the book. First Corinthians 13 is a section on love. It's called the love chapter, and it's quoted in weddings. It's quoted on uh, uh, Hallmark cards. Uh, uh, the, the whole chapter is just absolutely amazing. It occurs in the middle of this section on worshiping together. Paul uh, is about to talk about spiritual gifts. Now, he gets into a great deal of detail about spiritual gifts in chapter 12. In chapter 14, he sets down restrictions on the use of spiritual gifts in worship services. But in the middle of that chapter, he says, you know, gifts are great. But let me tell you about something even greater, love. In fact, when he ends that chapter, he says, faith, hope, and love, these three things will always remain, and the greatest among them, love. (laughs) Wonderful chapter. Chapter 15 talks about the resurrection. Apparently, they had some questions about the resurrection, what it meant and what it would actually look like. Paul does his best to explain what resurrection will be. Then in chapter 16, he has a section of greetings that he sends, and he tells them that he is coming soon. He will visit them very soon. Prepare for it. Enjoy today as you read 1 Corinthians 13 to 16.
1: 1 Corinthians 13 through 16, New Living Translation, 1 Corinthians 13. If I could speak all the languages of earth, and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor, and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable and keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always helpful, and endures through every circumstance prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge will become useless but love will last forever now our knowledge is partial and incomplete and even the gift of prophecy reveals only part of the whole picture But when the time of perfection comes, these partial things will become useless. When I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child. But when I grew up, I put away childish things. Now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror. But then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete. But then I will know everything completely, just as God now knows me completely. Three things will last forever— faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. 1 Corinthians 14 Let love be your highest goal, but you should also desire the special abilities the Spirit gives, especially the ability of prophecy. For if you have the ability to speak in tongues, you will be talking only to God, since people won't be able to understand you. You will be speaking by the power of the Spirit, but it will all be mysterious, But one who prophesies strengthens others, encourages them, and comforts them. A person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally, but one who speaks a word of prophecy strengthens the entire church. I wish you could all speak in tongues." But even more, I wish you could all prophecy. But one who speaks a word of prophecy strengthens the entire church. I wish you could all speak in tongues. But even more, I wish you could all prophecy. For prophecy is greater than speaking in tongues unless someone interprets what you are saying so that the whole church will be strengthened. Dear brothers and sisters, if I should come to you speaking an unknown language, how would that help you? But if I bring you a revelation of some special knowledge or prophecy or teaching, that will be helpful. Even lifeless instruments like the flute or harp must play the note clearly or no one will recognize the melody. And if the bugler doesn't sound a clear call, how will the soldiers know that they are being called to battle? It's the same for you. If you speak to people in words they don't understand, how will they know what you are saying? You might as well be talking into empty space. There are many different languages in the world, and every language has meaning. But if I don't understand a language— I will be a foreigner to someone who speaks it, and the one who speaks it will be a foreigner to me, and the same is true for you. Since you are so eager to have the special abilities the Spirit gives, seek those that will strengthen the whole church. So anyone who speaks in tongues should pray for the ability to interpret what has been said, for if I pray in tongues, my spirit is praying, but I don't understand what I am saying. Well then, what shall I do? I will pray in the Spirit, and I will also pray in words I understand. I will sing in the Spirit, and I will also sing in words I understand. For if you praise God only in the Spirit, how can those who don't understand you praise God along with you? How can they join you in giving thanks when they don't understand what you are saying? You will be giving thanks very well but it won't strengthen the people who hear you i thank god that i speak in tongues more than any of you but in a church meeting i would rather speak five understandable words to help others than ten thousand words in an unknown language Dear brothers and sisters, don't be childish in your understanding of these things. Be innocent as babies when it comes to evil, but be mature in understanding matters of this kind. It is written in the Scriptures, I will speak to my own people through strange languages and through the lips of foreigners, but even then they will not listen to me, says the Lord. So you see that speaking in tongues is a sign not for believers— but for unbelievers. Prophecy, however, is for the benefit of believers, not unbelievers. Even so, if unbelievers or people who don't understand these things come into your church meeting and hear everyone speaking in an unknown language, they will think you are crazy. But if all of you are prophesying and unbelievers or people who don't understand these things come into your meeting, they will be convicted of sin and judged by what you say." As they listen, their secret thoughts will be exposed, and they will fall to their knees in worship, declaring God is truly here among you. Well, my brothers and sisters, let me summarize. When you meet together, one will sing, another will teach, another will tell some special revelation God has given, one will speak in tongues, and another will interpret what is said, but everything that is done must strengthen all of you." No more than two or three should speak in tongues. They must speak at one time, and someone must interpret what they say. But if no one is present who can interpret, they must be silent in your church meeting and speak in tongues to God privately. Let two or three people prophecy, and let the others evaluate what is said. But if someone is prophesying and another person receives a revelation from the Lord, the one who is speaking must stop. In this way, all who prophesy will have a turn to speak, one after the other, so that everyone will learn and be encouraged. Remember that people who prophesy are in control of their spirit and can take turns, for God is not a God of disorder but of peace, as in all the meetings of God's holy people." Women should be silent during the church meetings. It is not proper for them to speak. They should be submissive, just as the law says. If they have any questions, they should ask their husbands at home, for it is improper for women to speak in church meetings. Or do you think God's word originated with you, Corinthians? Are you the only ones to whom it was given? If you claim to be a prophet or think you are spiritual, you would recognize that I am saying this as a command from the Lord himself but if you do not recognize this, you yourself will not be recognized. So, my dear brothers and sisters, be eager to prophecy, and don't forbid speaking in tongues, but be sure that everything is done properly and in order. 1 Corinthians 15. Let me remind you, dear brothers and sisters, of the good news I preached to you before. You welcomed it then, and you still stand firm in it. It is the good news that saves you if you continue to believe the message I told you, unless, of course, you believe something that was never true in the first place. I pass on to you what is most important and what has also been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins, just as the scriptures said. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as scriptures said. He was seen by Peter and then by the Twelve. After that he was seen by more than five hundred of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Then he was seen by James, and later by all the apostles. Last of all, as though I had been born at the wrong time, I also saw him, for I am the least of all the apostles. In fact, I am not worthy to be called an apostle after the way I persecuted God's church. But whatever I am now, it is all because God poured out his special favor on me." and not without result. For I have worked harder than any of the other apostles, yet it was not I but God who was working through me by His grace. So it makes me no different, whether I preach or they preach, for we all preach the same message you have already believed. But tell me this, since we preach that Christ rose from the dead, why are some of you saying there will be no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ had not been raised, then all our preaching is useless, and your faith is useless, and we apostles would all be lying about God, for we have said that God raised Christ from the grave. But that can't be true if there is no resurrection of the dead. And if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been risen. And if Christ has not been risen, then your faith is useless and you are still guilty of your sins. In that case, all who have died believing in Christ are lost. And if our hope in Christ is only for this life, we are more to be pitied than anyone in the world. But, in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first of the great harvest of all who have died. So you see, just as death came into the world through a man, now the resurrection from the dead has begun through another man. Just as everyone dies because we all belong to Adam, everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life. But there is an order to this resurrection. Christ was raised as the first of the harvest. Then all who belong to Christ will be raised when he comes back. After that, the end will come." when he will turn the kingdom over to God the Father, having destroyed every ruler and authority and power. For Christ must reign until he humbles all his enemies beneath his feet, and the last enemy to be destroyed is death. For the scriptures say, God has put all things under his authority. Of course, when it says, all things under his authority, that does not include God himself who gave Christ his authority. Then, when all things are under his authority, the Son will put himself under God's authority, so that God, who gave his Son authority over all things, will be utterly supreme over everything, everywhere. If the dead will not be raised, what point is there in people being baptized for those who are dead? Why do it unless the dead will some day rise again? And why should we ourselves risk our lives hour by hour? For I swear, dear brothers and sisters, that I face death daily— This is as certain as my pride in what Christ Jesus our Lord has done in you. And what value was there in fighting wild beasts, those people of Ephesus? If there will be no resurrection from the dead, and if there is no resurrection, let's feast and drink for tomorrow we die. Don't be fooled by those who say such things, for bad company corrupts good character. Think carefully about what is right and stop sinning, for to your shame I say that some of you don't know God at all. But someone may ask, how will the dead be raised? What kind of bodies will they have? What a foolish question. When you put a seed into the ground, it doesn't grow into a plant unless it dies first. And what you put in the ground is not the plant that will grow, but only a bare seed of wheat or whatever you are planting. Then God gives it the new body he wants it to have. A different plant grows from each kind of seed similarly there are different kinds of flesh one kind for humans another for animals another for birds and another for fish there are also bodies in the heavens and bodies on the earth the glory of the heavenly bodies is different from the glory of the earthly bodies the sun has one kind of glory, while the moon and stars have another kind, and even the stars differ from each other in their glory. It is the same way with the resurrection of the dead. Our earthly bodies are planted in the ground when we die, but they will be raised to live forever. Our bodies are buried in brokenness, but they will be raised in glory. They are buried in weakness, but they will be raised in strength. They are buried as natural human bodies, but they will be raised as spiritual bodies. For just as there are natural bodies, there are also spiritual bodies. The scriptures tell us, the first man, Adam, became a living person, but the last Adam, that is, Christ, is a life-giving spirit. What comes first is the natural body, then the spiritual body comes later. Adam, the first man, was made from the dust of the earth, while christ the second man came from heaven earthly people are like the earthly man and heavenly people are like the heavenly man just as we are now like the earthly man we will some day be like the heavenly man what i am saying dear brothers and sisters is that our physical bodies cannot inherit the kingdom of god these dying bodies cannot inherit what will last forever but let me reveal to you a wonderful secret we will not all die but we will all be transformed It will happen in a moment, in the blink of an eye, when the last trumpet is blown. For when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever. And we who are living will also be transformed. For our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. Then, when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, the scriptures will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? For sin is the sting that results in death. And the law gives sin its power. But thank God He gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. So, my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord. For you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. 1 Corinthians 16 Now regarding your question about the money being collected for God's people in Jerusalem, you should follow the same procedure I gave to the churches in Galatia. On the first day of each week, you should put aside a portion of the money you have earned. Don't wait until I get there, and then try to collect it all at once. When I come, I will write a letter of recommendation for the messengers you choose to deliver your gift to Jerusalem, and if it seems appropriate for me to go along, they can travel with me." I am coming to visit you after I have been to Macedonia, for I am planning to travel through Macedonia. Perhaps I will stay a while with you, probably all winter, and then you can send me on my way to my next destination. This time I don't want to make just a short visit and then go right on. I want to come and stay a while, if the Lord will let me. In the meantime, I will stay here at Ephesus until the festival of Pentecost. There is a wide-open door for a great work here, although many oppose me. When Timothy comes, don't intimidate him. He is doing the Lord's work just as I am. Don't let anyone treat him with contempt. Send him on his way with your blessing when he returns to me. I expect him to come with other believers. Now about our brother Apollos— I urged him to visit with you and other believers, but he was not willing to go right now. He will see you later when the opportuni- when he has the opportunity. Be on guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong, and do everything with love. You know that Stephanus and his household were the first of the harvest of believers in Greece, and they are spending their lives in service to God's people. I urge you, dear brothers and sisters— to submit to them and others like them who serve with such devotion i am very glad that stephanus fortunatus and achaicus have come there they have been providing the help you weren't able to give me they have been a wonderful encouragement to me as they have been to you you must show appreciation to all who serve so well the churches here in the province of asia sing greetings in the lord as do Aquila and Priscilla, and the others who gather in their home for church meetings. All the brothers and sisters here send greetings to you. Greet each other with a sacred kiss. Here is my greeting in my own handwriting, Paul. If anyone does not love the Lord, that person is cursed. Our Lord, come. May the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. My love to all of you in Christ Jesus.
0: Scripture reading by Amelia like, follow, and subscribe to this devotional on whatever platform you use to listen to it. Email your questions to us at questions at becomehope.com. Tomorrow, we'll see The Severe Letter.